This is Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 a.m. Here on Rally Check Radio, it's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Remember, you can send us a text 2057. You can send us an email inbox at rallycheck.radio. Well, we've got one of our all-time favorites now. I've been referring to him as the gardening guru, but I realize that's mistaken. When people ring up Wally Richards, they call him the plant doctor. And why do they call him the plant doctor? Because you ring Wally and he starts asking you questions, just like your doctor does. And he's looking for his, he's doing his diagnostics on your plant to work out what nutrient they might be missing, whether they're overwatered, whether they're too dry, whether there's too much wind, whether the, fer- the soil's missing a fertilizer, whether there's a pest and what pest it could be. And so we welcome to the show our plant doctor, Dr. Wally Richards. Is that Thank how you. it goes for you, Wally? Yeah, no, that's good. I, I like that. Because back in years ago when I had a garden centre, um, I had a little badge and it had Wally Richards, plant doctor. And, and everybody used to say, oh, yeah, okay, doctor. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> well, I'm going to call you doctor. And you sort of, when people ring you, and and or actually you ring them because they put an order through and you ring them just to make sure that the order is going to be the right thing. And you give them a bit of a quiz to do a proper diagnostic, right? Yeah, yeah, true. Sometimes people will order a thing and then I ask them, well, um, if you don't mind me asking, what are you going to do with that? And they tell me and I say, oh, well, actually, you've got the wrong thing. And mm. they say, really? And I say, no, you'd be better to use blah, blah, blah. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. So um, you're the doctor, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Dr. Richards, it's getting, I can feel it, it's getting, here's me, first year a gardener, and I'm excited because I can feel it, spring. Yes. It's a good time to be a gardener, right? Oh, yeah. It's it's a time of the year when it really starts to happen, and... um, Ah, the smell of that first tomato plant, you know. Mm, beautiful. I love that. Uh, it, you don't smell them so well later on in the season, but it's a fresh, young tomato plant. I love tomatoes. I absolutely, with salt on them and a little dash of pepper, I can eat I can eat a lot of tomatoes. Uh, no, it's very, very exciting. Now, one of the things that happens, Wally, this time of year is – you're digging, you know, you're getting your garden already and you get the neighbour's cats. Yeah, this is a big problem. My um, mother, my mother, God bless her, had a beautiful flower garden. <coughs> she was driven to distraction by her lovely neighbour's cat. Right, would yes. come in, dig <coughs> up the plants. It wouldn't poo anywhere else but my mother's garden. Well, yeah. Well, think about it. See, we go out and our old garden beds or flower beds or whatever, um, we revitalize them, we turn them over. There's lovely, beautiful uh, soil there. And all the cats in the neighborhood see the sign that you put up, supposedly, you toilet in town, come in, <laughs> pussies. My God. And do they? And 
there's nothing worse than you're frustrating around in the garden and you come across a half-digested can of cat food. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yuck. My mother. And then this cat <laughs> would scratch my mother's plants out. Mm, yeah, they do. They, they, they think it's a game. Poo kickers do the same thing. That, mm. that, they're a bigger nuisance than cats if you've got poo kickers around. right? They, they will come along and they will just dig everything up. And it wasn't that my mother didn't like cats or didn't like her neighbour, but she hated the bloody cat using her beautiful garden as a toilet. Right. Yep. Now, we have a solution. In fact, I found the solution, oh, maybe 30, 40 years ago, and the solution is nepheline. Now, nepheline is what used to be in mothballs before they banned yeah. mothballs, right? That's that granny's... Woolies, mothball yeah. thing, right? Um, and what happened um, sometime, or oh, two or three years ago, in actual fact, you may have remember that kids were getting mothballs, and these days they think anything that's round must be a lolly, and they were shoving them in their mouths and having to go to hospital and having a mothball extracted or something, right? So the government at the time um, turned around and said, right, no more mothballs. It's too dangerous for children. So they got banned, and along with that, nepheline. So I contacted um, EPA and said to them, well, um, nepheline, we use that and we sell it as a cat repellent. And they said, really? We didn't know that. I said, well, I've only been doing it for 20-odd years or more. Oh, okay. And they said, well, um, cats are not... Um, moss. I said, no, they're, they're quite different, actually. They're, they're mammals. <laughs> they no, but you could have a kitten that identified as a moth. Mm, yeah, on an off chance, <laughs> one like maybe. And anyway. Because one of the aspects of it, of course, mothballs was an insecticide to deter moths. Now, in our country, you must register an insecticide with the government and pay them um, or pay the piper a lot of money to have that registration and repeat it every year. Now, nobody, of course, from time memorial when the first settlers came here with their mothballs um, had ever registered. So that was a no-no. You can't have uh, mothballs for uh, deterring moths. But cats were a different exception, and that had them puzzled. Was there any rule that said you couldn't deter cats? Nepheline, <laughs> <laughs> right? And, and they came back to me after a week or two and they said, look, we've talked about it and we've decided that you can sell Nepheline as cat repellent. Do you I, know how to spell Nepheline? Nepheline? Oh, yeah, I, I do. I just have to look it up. <laughs> just a Is it with an N? N-A-P-H. T E on L E N N L E N E N E Nephilim 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 Okay Nephilim I've never heard of it. Um, it's an interesting chemical. Um, so the condition was I had to put it in a childproof container. It could be flakes or dust only. It couldn't be in a solid form like a ball or a disc, and um. And they had to have the label that they told me I had to put on the label, right? And I said, I'm happy. Yep, yep, good to go. So 
the story with cat repellent, Nephilim. So I've looked it up. Here's how you spell it, Wally. N-A-P-H-T-H-L-E-N-E is a white solid that evaporates easily. Fuels such as petroleum and coal contain naphthalene. It's also called white tar tar camphor Mm. and has been used in mothballs and moth flakes. Okay. I'd never heard of it. Okay. Actually, it's got several uses besides being a cat repellent um, and, of course, deterring moths. Or the, because of the smell, um, but if you're storing diesel and petrol, you know how they can get a bug after a period of time. Mm-hmm. You put a little bit of naphthalene, like a tablespoon, into your uh, what ten liter container or twenty liter container of uh, diesel your storage, and, and the bug's dead. It's gone. Wow, it, it's, oh. it's excellent. It also increases the octane rating. Of the fuel, <laughs> right? You get a double benefit. So you can, like, put some naphthalene down into your petrol tank or into your diesel tank and so forth, and you'll get a few more octane out of it. Mm. Um, How anyway, do you know all this, Wally? Oh, I don't know. I, I just pick up <laughs> information along the way. If, you, if you're selling a product, it's good to know all the yeah. other benefits of it. Anyway, so... What you do with naphthalene, if it's in a dry situation, like, say, in a carport where it doesn't get rained on and everything, and you put it around to stop the cats peeing against the doors or whatever, um, then it will last for weeks and weeks and weeks, just slowly evaporating. But if you put it in somewhere where it's going to get rained on or watered on, it goes very quickly within a matter of, you know, days or hours or whatever, depending upon the amount of water. So what I suggest for people to do to rainproof it in the garden that's open, you know your two-litre plastic milk bottles? Mm-hmm. Well, you take a two-litre milk bottle and you cut the bottom off, this mm-hmm. base, right? You take the cap off the other end and then you put a rock inside so it doesn't blow around. And then inside that you put about a tablespoon of the flakes, and then it's got the handle there. It's sitting, it's laying on its side, of course, and you sit that in the middle of where you want to protect, and then you scatter a bit of the flakes around. And if you're into your veggie garden area, of course, you don't want it going into onto the soil, so onto the grass or whatever, because it's a chemical. So it's just another chemical going to your food chain. Now, when the cat comes along from next door or wherever, they smell this. Now, my thoughts are that the smell is like a great big moggy came through there, marked the territory, oh. and and if he comes back and I'm here, I'm history <laughs> because it's of such cat. a strong smell. Big cat, my God, let's get out of here. And, and they're deterred completely. Um and 95% of the cases, there's only been the odd case where cats obviously had sinus problems or something and couldn't smell it. But otherwise, it, it's it's the most successful remedy for keeping cats away. It doesn't affect dogs, though. Dogs don't seem to mind because if, if it's a big cat that's been through, they're probably they, looking for it to chase it. <laughs> so my mother's um, garden, I'm guessing her flower garden, the one that were, where this cat was going, was like 10 metres by a metre, right? Right. How many 
milk bottles would she need? Oh, maybe a couple would be adequate. Is that um, right? One third of the way in, one third each end, and then sprinkle a bit around the perimeter. Um, and how long, given, say, Auckland weather, would that have lasted, do you think? Inside the milk bottle for weeks. Really? Outside the milk bottle, within a couple of um, hours of rain, gone. Well, I wish we'd known that, Wally, um, because it caused a lot of disruption between my mother and her neighbour. Both mm. the, cat, the cats passed on, the neighbours passed on, and my mother's passed on. God rest them all. Right. Um, but at the time, it was very difficult because um, the neighbour loved her cat as much as my mother loved her garden, if you know mm. what I mean. And so it was very, very awkward. And they tried a lot of commercial products. Um, nothing seemed to work to right. scare that bloody cat, but she'd, we'd never heard of naphthalene. So how do we get naphthalene? Do we yeah, we, get it we, off we, Wally Richards? Yeah, some garden centres have it, uh, and yeah. it's called Wally's Cat Repellent. It's yes. a green label with a big scary cat on there. And um, otherwise, through our mail order, um, at the 0800 mail order website. And can you tell me, your friend, is it very expensive? Oh, well, I'm, I'm just put my name down for another BMW if that helps. <laughs> Look at yeah. Wally. Cat I... repellent. Um, my retail on that currently is a 250 gram container, retail for $20. How much would that, that, how much protection, how many times could my mother have put that in three milk bottles? For several weeks um, at a time. That would probably last for two or three seasons using the milk bottle trip. Wow. Well, that would if, have been. If, if you didn't, it means that every time it rained or you watered the garden, you'd have to go and yes. put some more. And then I'd have to buy another BMW. Yes. 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 Well, you do love your BMWs, Wally. No, no. Um, I, I haven't had one for years. <laughs> so it's naphthalene and you call it Wally's cat repellent. Wally's cat repellent, yes. Mm. Um, you're very good on your orders, Wally. Uh, if someone makes an order, you can get it out that day or the next day? At the moment, um, because new season and even the gardens are starting to stock up now, um, we would be about a day or two behind getting the orders out. Okay. The problem, of course, is only really – Two and a half of us, um, yeah. my partner's son, he does a bit of packaging on the weekend. But it, not only do we have to get the orders made up, but we have to pack the products into the bottles, jars, bags, whatever yeah. as well. So um, I, after we finish talking today, I'm going to be going off to the warehouse to probably do an hour's work to get the stuff ready for the orders going out tomorrow. Good on you. Good on you. Well, you got a you got a lot of great products. Now, um, I should tell you something. You sent out an email, uh, your regular email, and I encourage listeners to get it because it's a great read. And you touched on a subject dear to my heart because I too have a worm farm. Really? Yes. And um, I got into composting, and I got in into a worm farm. I have to say. I didn't know how it would go, and I did. I was trying to convince the kids worms were a good pet because they all want cats and dogs, and 
I think, oh, cats and dogs. I said, why don't you have some worms? You know, because worms are great pets. And they weren't as enamored of having worms as I was, so I've still got the cat and dog problem. But um, <laughs> I, I, I just made my own out of a couple of plastic things, and it's not been very robust. But I was surprised um, how great a worm farm is mm, yeah. and how much fun it is. Oh, it is. It's great. So tell us, I'm going to be embarrassed now because I would have done everything the wrong way, but I started out not quite knowing what I was doing, and I, I read around and I ordered some tiger worms from Cromwell, and they duly arrived, and I have halved the worms twice and put the worms into my compost, and, man, they've gone I, I gave you know, and I, I I did what you said. I put some molasses in the compost, and um, man, are there worms? They're just wonderful worms going through that. And like my garden was very clay. I put right. it in. I put it in a good place for sun, but mm -hmm. a bad place for wind, and a bad place for the soil. Right. But with this compost on it and the worms. It's just transformed it. It's just a living ecosystem now, you know. I just love it. It's so rich yeah, and dark. Right. And the worms and the worm farm, I've still got my worm farm going gangbusters. Um, I've got my worm farm uh, at present in my tunnel house right? because uh, I thought my worms would like to be a little bit warmer. Mm -hmm. um, so tell me about worms and worm farming. Okay. Well, the story was just oh, a month or two ago, a lady rang me up and she was looking to try and get the original New Zealand-made uh, worm farm called Worm Around, right? Now, Worm Around uh, is a really deluxe worm farm. Um, it's heavy-duty black plastic. Um, it's moulded. Um, and the company in Palmerston North uh, that makes them, um, KBL, they, I got in contact with them, I bought a couple of them, this is years ago, 20 odd years ago, and um, set them up and got them going. And I was actually selling them on behalf of them. They, I would take the orders through the internet or whatever, and they would send them out. Well, the company changed hands and went to another company, and at one stage, Mitre 10 and I think Bunnings uh, stocked the worm around. But then coming in from Australia with some cheaper plastic ones, not very good, as I'm told by one or two people who bought them. And, um, of course, being cheaper, um, the more expensive deluxe model um, wasn't the same call, and they stopped manufacturing. So I contacted the owner of the company and um, re-established a relationship with them. And he said, well, we've got the mould still. We just haven't done anything because, you know, nobody's interested. I said, well, I've got one person anyway that would like to get one. Um, how about doing a run for me? I said, well, to make it worthwhile, do five. I'll take a gamble and see if they'll sell or not. So I wrote that article about worm farming. And anyway, my God, not only have the five sold, now I've got two extra orders <laughs> over and oh, above wow. the five. And, and people, in some instances, when they rang and, and ordered the worm, for, they said, I've been looking for these yolks and, and just couldn't find them anywhere. 
because they knew how good they were. So anyway, I've ordered another five to be done. In fact, I think I'll have to increase that order now. The advantage of worm farming is your kitchen scraps and your dog poo that you pick up and your cat poo and anything like that goes into your worm farm, right? The tiger worms, which are the wrigglers, they, they've got stripes and so forth, they are surface working worm, and the birds don't touch them, interestingly enough. Uh, they're a bit like those um, caterpillars and the pepper trees. The, mm. the birds don't touch them uh, for some reason. It's funny because I've noticed that. Uh, like yeah. they, uh, on my com- I put them on my compost, and they're all on the top. And you yeah. know, if if I go anywhere else and disturb the soil, the birds are into it. And um, on my compost, no birds appeared with the tiger worms. I hadn't realised that they they weren't edible to a bird. Yeah, well, they're not attracted to them, or they're not mm. edible. Maybe they've got a smell about them. I haven't noticed. But mm. anyway, like originally. Like in the farm situation, in days gone by, if you lifted up a dry cow pad, underneath would be all the tiger worms. That was one of the main jobs was on the farms, um, breaking down the cow manure, um, the big hard plop, you know, how mm. cows go. And uh, underneath you'd always find a, a pile of tiger worms um, breaking it all down, making it available for the grass around. Well, what I do myself, I have um, like an ice cream container in the kitchen, on the bench, so when you're peeling your spuds or chopping um, up the leaves off the lettuce and so forth, the stuff that you're not going to use goes into the ice cream container and then I take it uh, when it's full or thereabouts and put it in the worm farm. The worm farm comprises... uh, the worm around of three tiers. The bottom is a holding tank for the worm pea, right? And then the next layer up, in which you start off with that, um, you put newspaper over the um, plate, which has got a whole lot of holes in it, right? And that's just to stop stuff falling through and the worms falling through. And you put your kitchen scraps, um, I find uh, if you click, have a dog and you click dog poos off the concrete or whatever, that's good stuff because I, I used to do that and the worms got into this container where I had put all the dog poo in for yonks and, my God, it was just seething with hundreds and hundreds of bloody tiger worms in there. Uh, they loved it. Um, and, of course, that turned it into a nice, friable Wormcast or vermicast, as we call it. So you have a tap on the bottom tank, and every now and again you open that up and put a um, a bottle underneath and collect the worm pee, which is called um, verm leaching, I think, for, or something like that. Anyway, so that there you can water into your garden. The beauty of it is it's fairly high in nitrogen. It's got a good nitrogen content. And secondly, it's got lots of good microbes, bacteria. in Oh, there. really? Yeah, yeah. So as a result of that, um, it's a great food to water into, uh, side dressing your plants with it. If you're going to spray it over plants, um, it would be better to 
knock it back one to ten uh, ratio with water, and then you could use it as a spray, folio feed, but just watering it into the garden. Um, I, I remember one time I had a worm farm, and it was in a place where the ground was like rock hard. It was horrible. And I'd left the tap open and not collected the uh, worm pea. And funny enough, after a few months, that place underneath with a drip, drip, drip of the pea on it became so beautiful and soft, wow. friable soil just from um, the leaching um, coming off the farm. <laughs> so you, you you keep on going. You get some worms. Um there's a few people on uh, Trade Me. There's a guy in Wellington, Shane. Uh, I got in contact. I just got another pile of worms from him. Um, they're, not, they're not expensive. Mm. And you put them into your worm farm after you've got some of the stuff rotting down, right, mm -hmm. ideally. Because if it's fresh, fresh, the, cat, the worms can't do anything with fresh cabbage leaves or anything. They've got to rot down, and then they can uh, start eating them up and, and – creating vermicasts or worm casts, right? When the bottom tray uh, or tier is basically full, you put your second tier on and then you start putting your stuff into that and the worms will relocate up into the second tier and the first tier you can uh, take off. Uh, there'll still be a number of worms in there, but you can separate them out and pop them into the uh, new uh, tier, and then you've got all this beautiful worm casts. Now, one of the advantages of worm casts that I learned from an old gardener one time, you know how sometimes you get uh, dieback in a plant, a tree, right? Yep, yep. And the, the answer is to stop it spreading, you cut it back to some clean wood, and then you take the worm casts, and with a little bit of non-chlorinated water just to turn it into a bit of a putty-like surrey, and you put that over the wound. That is perfect for stopping dive back. Amazing. Yeah, it's got the microbes in it, see, um, which are all beneficial, and it's an old trick. Um, so if you have a situation where you've got to cut a, a bit of dead wood out of a tree and it's spreading, um, that's a way to do it. Um, besides that, the worm casts, you can use them in your potting mix. You can use them when you're planting seed-raising mix. Uh, they're lovely and friable. Yeah. So could you, if you were, say, doing a potting mix, would you use your, what do you call it, vermocast? Would you mm -hmm. use that instead of your potting mix, or would you do 50-50? What would you do? I would incorporate with more stuff because it can pack down a bit when it gets okay. wet. Um, so, I mean, say you can incorporate it with sand or vermic, um, yeah, sand would be good. Or just if you get it, all the potty mixes these days I've found by and large are bloody horrible because they can't use peat moss anymore. Yeah. Um, that's been banned by the greenies. So, Instead of having peat moss, they're using bark vines, which no difference to bloody sawdust, really, when you think yeah. about it. Yeah. So uh, you can take one of the horrible potting mixes and you can add 
your vermicastruit. And, and here's an interesting thing I've just remembered. In the old days, and I'm going back when we were young. <laughs> oh, 20, over 20 years ago. Oh, 15 years at least. <laughs> In the nurseries, when they used to grow shrubs and so forth um, and send them off all over the countryside to sell, in the mix that they use in the planter bags would always be a bit of soil, clean topsoil, right? Why did they do that? Because of the microbes and the bacteria, et cetera, et cetera, in that soil and the microcilium fungi. But that practice stopped later on because in those days, the railways used to transport all the stuff around the countryside, and it was relatively cheap transport. Of course, when the railways stopped doing that sort of thing, and then you were using couriers or um, other transport, road transport, the weight of the soil in the mix increased the price of the transit, right? So... Instead, they just use um, bark vines and a bit of food, etc., cetera, um, in the bags that they plant the shrubs up in. No longer soil. But it's a good practice if you're repotting um, container plants outside, not inside, but for outside, is to grab a handful of nice soil, some of that stuff that you've got off your compost heap wherever mm. or some vermicast and, and put that add that to it it will make the world a difference to the health of the plant because it's more natural and um i may have made i hadn't appreciated the microbes coming from the worms the microbes must harvest you know have a wee farm going on in their gut that is helping them digest what they're eating and then that's passing through them and so that those microbes in that soil are crucial to mm. getting, getting getting good soil because they're releasing the nutrients, aren't they, for the plant? Yeah, yeah. They break down um, either organic-type food or even your uh, chemical fertilisers. Mm. Um, as long as you haven't put too much chemical fertiliser in to kill them, um, mm. but they will uh, help break it down and make it available to the plants. Will your... Um because you're using kitchen scraps um, and the worms and you're getting this sort of soil out of it, aren't you? It's like a soil. Yeah, vermicast, yeah. Yeah. Like will, that, the, will, will that be have weeds in it or will it not? No. Really? No. No. Um, the only possibility would be if you're putting weed seeds into their – I'm not sure, and it would depend on the size of the seed, of course, whether if the worms take them in, they will actually neutralise them. And if it was a small seed, they probably would. Mm. But um, it's like chooks. Chooks um, are the only ones that I know that they can eat like wheat and so forth, and there'll be never any wheat in their poos that can germinate because they completely kill the germ of whatever they're eating. And chicken poo's good to use on your garden, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's Of all the animal manures, chicken manure has got the best MPK rating. Uh, it's always weed-free. It's, it's always weed-free. Um, and it's like if you have had chickens, 
and you take a, a nice handful of fresh or relatively fresh chook manure and you put it in the bottom of the hole and you just put a little bit of soil over the top of it and then you plant a lettuce, like drunken woman lettuce, on top of it, my God, watch it grow. Lettuces just thrive on chook manure, fresh as. Hmm. Um, would you put chicken manure in your worm farm? Yeah. Yep, I just did that today. <laughs> this is the new worms I've got because I just started off the second one, which um, I, I wasn't using because I've got two and I, I've got one going and it was only one tier and I thought, oh, I'll get some worms off this guy and, and, and get this one going as well. And, uh, and I thought, well, the material in there that I've been putting there from the kitchen, it still hadn't rotted down. So went to the truck run, and there was a nice, wet, soggy. Yeah, pile that's of enough information, Wally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Scraped <laughs> it up, put it in there, put the worms in there, and you could just about see them jumping with joy. Isn't that amazing? Isn't yeah. that amazing? And <coughs> I have been doing that, and then I sort of took half my <coughs> half my sort of worms out mm-hmm. with the vermicast and put it in my compost and to get sort of worms growing in there. Right. But would I have been best just to leave the worms where they were? No. No. What happens in your worm farm is that they reach what they call a maximum point where they will stop breeding because they already know, unlike the lemmingtons, they won't jump off the cliff. Yeah. They will stop breeding until the room population reduces and then they'll breed again. So okay. they're self-regulating. So but, taking harvesting them is not a bad idea. Yeah, because it then encourages them to um, yes. breed again. Yes. And now, when – sorry, carry on. I was going to say – when your worm farm is really productive and you've got lots of worms in there, you can then start a worm pit, which is very much like what yours talking about now. This is where in your middle of your veggie garden, you dig a hole, you put some uh, kitchen scraps and rotten material in that, manure, etc., and then you go and grab some uh, pile of uh, tiger worms out of your worm farm and you put that into your pit cover it over with some soil, right, and let them go for it. Now, they will breed, and you can keep on adding more manure or more um, kitchen scraps, whatever, onto the top of that, even some grass clippings. Um, And then a bit of garden lime now and again to make sure it stays nice and alkaline and sweet. And those worms will spread out into your garden, particularly if you're putting compost over the top of the soil, which is what they loved, you know, like that value compost from Bunnings, mm-hmm. um, put that across as mushroom compost in actual fact, that they will actually move out across your garden. In my container plants outside where I've got lemon trees and so forth going, that, that there's a whole lot of worms in, in them, uh, which I've actually moved from either a worm farm or whatever and put them into the pots. Um, wow. and, and they go up and down, they aerate, and it makes a world of difference to everything. Now, um, so in your garden, 
there are earthworms, and then you have these tiger worms. Right. So the tiger worms, they'll do the job of an earthworm. Uh, surface acting mainly. So the top layer of soil or compost or whatever, that's where they'll be working. The earthworms, the big, fat, long fellas, they go down deep and uh -huh. they come up and go down and come up and go down. And the beauty of them in your garden, of course, is uh, they will bring up um, minerals and elements from down below and bring it up to the surface, that sort of thing. The The problem, of course, is people water their gardens with chlorinated water and the whole lot disappear. Exactly. Simple as that. Worms cannot handle the chlorinated water coming out of the tap. So it's a must if you're doing this sort of thing, is have a filter on your tap, which we sell, um, costs you $140 for the housing and filter, snaps on your hose, simple to do, and then you've got non-chlorinated water, which you can use in your garden, and it won't kill the microbes in the soil, it won't kill the worms, it won't upset the microcilium fungi, and the plants love it. It's just about as good as rain. Well, I've got good source of water uh, from uh, literally from an uh, aquifer. Right, um, that's cool. And um, I can't believe how quickly, the, I mean, in six months, that soil is just bouncing. Um, do you need to introduce earthworms or will they just turn up naturally? Um, I presume they will turn up naturally um, mm. as long as uh, somewhere in the area um but introducing them is the easy way like i i know in this place here um when i bought it and i started digging around outside in the garden or when it was a lot of rain up would come these great big long fat worms because nobody would used any insect uh, sorry um herbicides roundup or anything here and of course roundup itself um kills worms uh, Isn't it soil. terrible what we've done to the soil? Oh, it is, yeah. And, and, and it's such an amazing thing, and we treat it with contempt. It takes, I don't know how many hundreds of years to get one inch of topsoil, mm. and, and we destroy it within minutes mm. <laughs> with chemicals. Yeah. I, um, I've got a lot of worms. I'm wondering if they've come in with the horse manure. Yes, Definitely. Mm. Yep. I brought in horse manure, and, and I remember I was in this place where they had horses, and uh, he didn't have any bags. And he said, look, I've got a pile down there. If you don't mind, we'll fill some bags up for you. And uh, $2 a bag, good, good stuff. Anyway, as he's digging through, he said, oh, there's a lot of worms in here. Do you want the worms? I said, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Throw the worms in. <laughs> and with your worm farm, with my worm farm, um, I added a little com a little, a little of Bunnings compost to it. Good. The, is that okay? Yeah. yeah Just to no. sort of – because um, – when I started, like you said, I didn't have a lot of rotted, um, a lot of rotted vegetables. Veggies. So yep. what I did was I mixed up some uh, horse manure and some compost, and sort of did a layer of that, mm, and excellent. that seemed to. And I've always added compost just to sort of, I guess, make a 
make a better thing to be putting into my garden. But it's actually a very profitable exercise because you're getting this amazing fertilizer, the worm pea, which mm -hmm. is very rich. I hadn't realized it had microbes in it. And then you're getting this absolutely wonderful soil. Um, and I have been using it. I put it in my little herb garden. You're right. And I was shocked how well it went as a sort of like a seeding bed. I, I mixed a bit, just like I, I hit upon it by accident, a bit of seed mix and then a bit of this. And my little herb garden in my tunnel house is doing extremely well. And I do put it down to that worm farm. Right. Yeah. Now, there's a couple of things uh, people should be aware of with a worm farm. First of all, ideally, no citrus peelings. Yes. Uh, tomatoes, not too much of because they're acidic. Um, also, um, it's a good idea if you haven't got garden lime, is just sprinkle some baking soda every now and again over mm. the uh, stuff because it's alkaline. Mm. Or washing soda is another one, soda mm. ash. Um, it just keeps everything um, in the right alkaline pH for the worms. You could use the ash from your wood burner. Uh, that's potash. Would that's that work? Different. Oh. That's different. Oh, I'm sorry. No, sorry. I had a, I had a good idea, I thought, a bad mm. idea. No, no, you I'm use not... that in the garden around underneath your citrus trees, under your fruit trees. Uh, Wherever there's anything flowering and fruiting, you put your potash. But you said something, what was it, sodium phosphate. Was that, uh, no, what did you say, put with your worm farm? Uh, your uh, washing soda or um, soda ash is another name. Oh, soda ash is different to potash. Yeah, soda ash is washing soda. Oh, see, I heard, I heard ash, silly me. I heard soda, and I thought, oh, potash, not the same. Okay. Um, do you need to keep it moist? Um, normally, the worm pea itself will keep it moist and mm. in a worm farm. If it's in a sunny position, which it shouldn't be, um, especially in summer, um, it should be more shaded because it can get too hot, especially if it's black. Um, mm. It attracts the heat. And uh, you may have to moisten it up a bit, um, which you would use, once again, non-chlorinated water or click rain water um, and, and use that. Um, just a sprinkling over. You can get some um, things happening in your worm farm, little... Um, flies and bits and pieces like that. Quite safe to use pyrethrum as a spray um, to to knock them back. I, I usually have some nice big black spiders in my one. Um, they seem to be attracted to it as a nesting place, um, which is okay. They don't worry me. Um, but um, I was surprised, Wally, in my little mini glass house, which I built with the corrugated diamond, like the raised garden you suggested in an earlier episode. And then I cut it at an angle and put a, a very heavy uh, glass shower door that I picked up. And I've been growing lettuces in there. And in the top, I used the worm vermicast. And I, I was surprised. Um, I had some sort of clear round mushrooms growing sort of like we concave caps 
and I just, you know, got a knife and just uh, weeded them out. But I hadn't seen anything quite like that before. Okay, you didn't actually um, nibble a couple of them and see if you had some lovely dreams, did you? <laughs> they weren't sort of Simon mushrooms, no, I, gold tops. I can hardly take a discipline, so no, I didn't nibble them. <laughs> but um, I should have taken a picture for you and sent them to you because it was a most odd thing that was growing in there. Quite, I'll, If they're back, I'll take a picture and I'll send it to you because yeah. I was puzzled by what they could be. Yeah, as, as stuff um, uh, rots down and so forth, or in the sort of you, – you've got the um, toadstools, mushrooms, yes. a whole range of stuff um, and different – you need to get a book or look up the pictures and find yeah. out, is it something that you can eat or is it something that you, you can, uh, can have a, a very good party on? <laughs> <laughs> You're <laughs> or, leading me astray and our listeners, Wally. Or, or the other aspect, of course, um, is um, – no, I've lost my track of thought there, but – well, it is, I guess, what you're doing with the worms is you're introducing that mycorrhiza. You are introducing that uh, those um, that microbiology, which will include fungi, right, from the worm. Mm, yeah, and one of the things that I always say to people, if, if when you're digging around in your garden, if you come across a reasonable amount of worms, you've got good soil. If there's no worms, you ain't got good soil. And good soil is necessary to have a good garden. Yeah, for sure, because the soil biology is most important. Plants thrive on the microbes and microcilium fungi and all the soil life because it includes not only the earthworms, but you've got beetles and bits and pieces mm. that, that live in the soil. They eat um various uh, material uh, breaking down, et cetera, and then, of course, they're pooing out um, mm. their mm. poo and pee, and all those things go to feed the plants. And, of course, what I've noticed is it doesn't take hundreds of years to grow soil if you can get manure and have a worm farm running, and I'm going to go out there tomorrow and put in a worm pit after work, um, it doesn't take too long because of what we can add to it to produce a good soil. Right. Um, and then you get very weary of what you're putting on the ground so you don't go willy-nilly spraying any stuff because you've got this beautiful living um, ecosystem. But who would ever have thought that using town supply water and you're watering your garden and you're killing the biology of your soil through the chlorine. Mm, yep, yep. The, the simple answer is, like in the spring, if you have a nice wet spring, everything in the garden comes away really great, healthy looking, no disease, no problems, and then later on when it starts to dry out, you get the hose out and start watering, hello, it's black spot, rust, um, plants are not looking and thriving like they were before, and then you have a week of rain and everything comes back to life. Because the soil biology can, like with the microbes, have three generations in 24 hours. So mm. it doesn't take them long to build if you stop killing them. Mm. Now, what else should we be doing in our garden, Wally? At the moment, um, 
you should be getting planting up uh, new seasons plants like cabbages, cauliflowers, um, lettuces, salad plants, radishes, either by seed or by seedlings. Um, now is the time to get stuck in. Uh, depends where you are in New Zealand, of course. Um, in some places where it may be still a bit too cold and you're not getting much growth. But the daylight hours are extending mm. and we're quickly heading towards the longest day in December. And so the and your uh, deciduous trees and roses are starting to come to life. The daffodils are out. It's a new season. Mm. It's time to get cracking. Well, Dr. Wally Richards, would I be in line for a little badge of Rookie Gardener of the Year if I were to tell you that in my tunnel house, which you said I could get if I hung around on Neighbourly or Facebook for free for the price of picking up, and I did, I've had two lettuces in Otago. Is that good work? Oh, yes. Excellent. Yeah. And and your advantage, of course, is the tunnel house, you've got a sheltered environment. Yes. And, and so, hence, what would struggle to grow outside will romp away in the enclosed environment with plenty of light. It's been, I mean, to have these two lettuces, and I have to say, I don't, I mean, probably 50% of it was psychological and 50% was actually actual, but they were delicious. They I love, be. I love a, vid, a Marmite cheese and lettuce sandwich for lunch. Sounds and great. Have, have my own lettuce was, was just to die for. My brassicas in my tunnel house are growing like mad, but I think they might be bolting. I must, I was going to make a study of that. Um, my seedlings, I have tussock seedlings in my t- tunnel house to plant out native tussocks. And right. um, they've, they've seeded and they're growing well, particularly when I put on the the magic. Botanic liquid. Botanic liquid. Man, they love that. And I've got a herb garden in there. I have planted in a seed box, uh, in, a, in, a, in a box, uh, my tomato seeds. And um, I've kept them inside, and I take them out when it's a sunny day. Uh, they're like my little baby. And uh-huh. I have nine have sprouted, Good. and um, I think I planted 12, so I'm hoping for another three. And then I'll plant some more. I'll, I'll put these out in my tunnel house, and then I'll plant some more and keep them on rotation. But I'm a very, very proud gardener, and right. I think it's not bad in central Otago and my brand-new tunnel house second-hand got for free to have had two lettuces. Yeah, that's excellent. Really good. Yep, yeah. for sure. And, and, you think uh, you're in Auckland? Yes. I, I, um, and I feel like, you know, um, unbelievably proud, and there's nothing – it's the best therapy. When, I, when I'm out there in my garden, I don't worry about what's in the newspaper. I don't worry what's on the radio. I don't worry about what Jacinda and Chris Luxon or Chris Hipkins or whoever is trying to run the country at the moment. I don't worry about what they're saying and the madness that's going around us. I'm just enjoying that beautiful rich soil, watching those earthworms and thinking that you're creating this sort of transformative life-giving thing. And 
And I'm amazed, Wally, that you sort of plant like a little wee tomato seed and then suddenly it sprouted up and there's a tomato plant. It's it's yeah. it's wondrous, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You're it's a, a you're big father. Thrill. You're a father to a tomato plant. <laughs> I am a father to a tomato plant. Yeah, yeah. I feel a bit bad going to eat the tomato, but no. Um, it is. It is. I. 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 Um, and it's also taught me that, like, you don't need a big garden. You could be in a little apartment and have tomato plants on the balcony. Yeah. No trouble. No Good trouble. to go. Yeah. 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 The the interesting thing too is like people that are working. And they're stressed out at work and they come home and they get out into the garden within minutes, literally within minutes, they're calmed down, right? Mm. Now, there's an interaction between the plants and you. The plants so. will give you a soothing thing. It's like the people that like to go out and hug trees. Yes. It's, it works. You yes. hug a tree and the tree will give you vitality and so yes. forth. And by just working with things in nature – and uh, your garden, planting seeds, and then having the joy of seeing all these seeds germinate and sprout mm. up. My mm. God, it's life. You've it created is. life. You've become <laughs> a god. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, my wife's been a little bit of a gardener previously, but she's always bought tomato seedlings, and she's amazed that I have sprouted them from seeds because, you know, she says it's so much cheaper just getting this packet of seeds and and growing them. And, of course, we've also got our little thing from Bunnings, that little... Um, Heat pad? No. We've got a, uh, the mung bean grower, the sprouts. The sprouts oh, right. Grower. Yep, 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 yep. And, I yep. mean, every day we get a feed of sprouts out of that little grower just sitting on our bench. It's, it's, it's remarkable. Um, Wally, Dr. Richards, it's wonderful to be uh, having you on the show. Remember, everyone, you can give Wally a ring at 0800-466-464. You can email him at wally, J-R, at gardennews.co.nz. Remember, the Garden News only has uh, one in. You can go to his webpage. Uh, you can just Google it. Go Wally Richards Garden, and he will pop up in all his glory. He has an amazing array of product to help you with your gardening, but more particularly, He's got, as you've heard, uh, an amazing array of knowledge and information at his fingertips. And if you're stuck on something in your garden, it'd be great if you send us a text. You can uh, just at 2057, email us at inbox at reallycheck.radio, and we can share that with listeners or give Wally a ring because, as you can tell, he is a great guy and he loves talking and talking gardening. Is that not the truth, Wally? Yep, that's for sure. Uh, you're on Reality Check Radio. It's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. And we've just had Dr. Wally Richards, the plant doctor, on our show. This Thank is you. Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 a.m.